This episode of the Hubcast is brought to you by Video Sales and Marketing World, July 20th online. Learn more at impactplus.com slash events. Nick, Jess, I'm happy to see you today. Happy to be here. It's good to be seen. Oh, that makes me happy. I'm, I'm feeling good today. And the reason I'm feeling good is because today's episode is full of things that I really like, which is namely product updates. I get excited about the HubSpot product. I like... I've been thinking about this and I just love kind of nerding out on how the platform works. Like I just love figuring out how things work in there, which is weird because I'm not generally like that in normal life. So I'm not sure what happened with this, but maybe it's because I started using HubSpot when it was a lot simpler. So I've been able to kind of pick things up. But anyway, I digress. Just announced just a few weeks ago, HubSpot's new operations hub. What? I want to. I want to do some some hot takes. So I want to get everybody's hot take on operations hub. Like good, bad, ugly, happy, sad. What do you think about it? Like, what are your first impressions? Where do you think it's going? Who do you think it's good for? I'm gonna start with Jess. Oh man, I was just going to say NBA probably has the more fiery opinions here, but that's I why was... I called you first because I don't want Nick's opinion to affect anyone else. This is true. Fair <laughs> enough. Okay. I'm going to try to be fiery then. I am a redhead, so I know I have it in me. Uh, so here's my hot take on operations hub. It is a necessity for HubSpot to develop this type of flexibility in their platform if they want to compete with the likes of Salesforce, with the likes of these super customizable CRMs out there on the marketplace. And this was sort of the natural endpoint they had to get to here if they really wanted to compete with the big boys. And I'm glad that we are talking about Operations Hub. Do I think that they have the power right now to really take on these big players? Eh, maybe not, but the promise is there. The promise of things to come is there. So right now it's sort of operations hub, big whoop. Are we excited? We don't know yet. Is it really a hub? Is it just a bunch of things behind a paywall? Maybe, but we need to get this level of nitty gritty customization with really super cool like data manipulation if we want to compete with the big dogs. That is my hot take. Solid. That was good. So it's a good take. It's pretty much the take, right? The only thing that my take adds to this is like when it came out, I was like, they're going to add a button to my navigation that says operations and I'm going to click that button. And I'm going to do all this stuff. And like that didn't happen. <laughs> and I was so let down. And like, is it a hub? Like, yes, it is a collection of tools. But like it has enhanced 
a lot of existing tools, right? Like mm-hmm. workflows is like the biggest, like the number one add-on, right? Or they've added two workflows in like a lot of really cool ways. And so for those of you out there that are like, I don't know, I don't see it. Like, I don't see it in my HubSpot board. Like, how do I get Operations Hub? Like, it is there. It's just baked into like the DNA, right? It's like, it's flowing through your portal, but like, you can't see it unless yeah. you look really hard. Versus like when you have Sales Hub and Service Hub and Marketing Hub, you're like, oh, all of those things are there. There's like a little button to click and there's like a little lock on it. It's like, you can't access Playbooks until you upgrade your account. You're like, oh, okay, like there's the thing. So mm-hmm. to that point though, did Operations Hub need to be its own hub or would it, or should it have been just a bunch of features added to enterprise or something like an enterprise add-on? Like, does it warrant hub status if it doesn't have a button on the nav? <laughs> the questions of life. <laughs> I don't know. I think the main, the main thing here is that is that, like you said, they're competing with the likes of Salesforce and, and as a like HubSpot, when this came out, uh, the shift was we are now a CRM company. We are not the marketing automation company. We are the CRM company. Yeah. Um, and this is that first real big push to like reposition themselves in the market as that, right? Because now they have, and we can start running through some of these like, what it actually is yeah it's like the data quality automation like it's like that is really the like a gigantic feature that sounds so simple right but it's been one of the product owners at hubspot called it the self-healing crm right like that is a thing they're like they're really good at those like marketing yeah it struck so good i was like i need it like heal this crm i was like my crm could be wolverine like yes i would love that (laughs) So the, the three main features of the operations hub that are out currently are what you said, Nick, the data quality automation, which is basically a button and a workflow, like an action and a workflow that allows you to say, you know, fix capitalization or fix a date format or things like that. Both um, number formatting, like. Yep. A lot of like formatting, text formatting type things, which, you know, definitely valuable and helpful. The other one is, or one of the other ones is data sync, which is basically HubSpot acquired PySync and PySync had a bunch of these integrations from HubSpot to other CRMs and ERPs and HubSpot sort of, they acquired them as a company, but now they basically took all of that functionality and are rebuilding a lot of those integrations into this native data sync, which they don't have all of the PySync integrations built on DataSync yet, but they're working on that slowly but surely. The only problem is, which this was a PySync thing too, but they only are syncing contacts and companies right now, contact and company data, which like is not, <laughs> that's the, like, that where are the deals? like a CRM. Yeah. Like we, I need need the deals. De- we need deals and like people that are using service of are going to need tickets. So I know that that is something that they're working on, but it's, you know, virtually unusable for like, you know, a lot of people are excited about like, Oh, I'm going to be able to integrate with NetSuite or I'm going to integrate with sugar or that kind of stuff. But if you don't have deal syncing, then that kind of renders it not particularly useful. And then the third thing, which is, 
really exciting if you have a JavaScript developer that you have at your disposal, mm -hmm. or if you know JavaScript, is custom-coded workflow actions and webhooks. So that's really where this customization comes in and configuration where if you can write JavaScript for it, you can do it and you can manipulate it, you know, in HubSpot, which is really, really, really cool. And like, you can just, you know, your head could explode with all of the different things that you could potentially do with that. But like how many companies actually have those kind of resources? So it really is kind of an enterprise level feature for large companies who have these types of resources in-house. Um, but my hot take is, like, I'm excited that they're kind of taking RevOps seriously and just the operations role seriously. It really is something that we've been seeing kind of growing as a seat in on marketing and sales teams. Um, but like HubSpot's other hubs, like, they released it super, super early with super, super basic functionality. And I think are really like user testing a lot of things and getting a lot of feedback to like decide exactly where they're going to go with it. So like, is it worth $800 a month right now to get custom coded workflow actions? Probably only if you have a JavaScript developer that you don't have to like pay extra to get them to add that stuff in. Um, but like, will it get there? I'm sure it will, but I felt the same way. Like when sales hub came out and when service hub came out. Um, so it's one of those things where I'm excited to see where it goes, but in current state, it's very, very early. I think like all things HubSpot, they're going to push down the ability for like regular marketers to use these things. So like right now you need a JavaScript developer, but I would say, I would hope right in six months or a year from now, they have templates. That's like, Hey, like here are some really common reasons, like things people use it for. Like it's like one of the common use cases they said was like, you can check and see if it's raining in Denver. And if, or if the temperatures below a certain um, number, send this type of communication versus that one or send more communication, like check and see yeah. all these crazy things. And I was like, I've never even thought about like doing stuff like that. So I think that these templates and once once the brave take on these these things and there's more common use cases, they're going to essentially template templatize. Is that a word? Mhm. Mm well, yeah. it's a word that I use. Okay, we're going to they're going to templatize all of like some of these extremely common use cases um yeah. and we should be well, able to see more fun stuff come out of it. I hope too that basically with that like with you know, all of our community forums and things like that, if there are like certain things that like are really easy to do with a custom coded workflow action in JavaScript, like I'm hoping that we kind of have the open source community mindset where people will like share their code, which people already do for a lot of things in the community forums for like CMS stuff. So it'll be really cool to see like if people start to share their code for stuff that could be like universally applied um, or kind of like plug and play with certain things, which I'm, I'm excited for that too. Okay. Okay. Final thought. It's not a hub for the masses. Let's be honest. It's a hub for the few, but for those few people that need this type of customization in their portal, they really didn't have that many options of CRMs that could do this type of functionality before. So I'm excited to see that 
you know, HubSpot's at least getting in the game here. Yes, it's a starting point, but so was Sales Hub, so was Service Hub. Let's see where this grows. I, I'm cautiously optimistic this is going to be eventually one of my favorite places to hang out in HubSpot. Yeah, and I'm sure there will be lots of updates coming out throughout the year, so you will hear from on those from us. Now, our friend Marcus Sheridan, who, you know, we see time and time or time and again. What's the phrase I'm looking yeah. for? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. We've again. seen him. We know who From time he knows. to time. From time <laughs> to time is the word, <laughs> the phrase I was looking for. Um, he posted something on LinkedIn. By the way, if you're not following Marcus Sheridan on LinkedIn, he's killing it. He's killing it. His stuff is so good. I mean, it's not surprising to me, but like really good, like thought provoking stuff, which is why we have our next section. Marcus stirs the pot. What's in the pot? I'm going to tell you what's in the pot. It is college degrees. So Marcus posted something recently on LinkedIn about whether or not marketing positions should require a college degree. And I'm just going to quickly read the post because I think it's really interesting. And you can, of course, go to Marcus's LinkedIn. Um, He posted this, I think it was on like May 17th or 18th. He said, I've come to the conclusion that when it comes to the marketing industry, the very high majority of job requirements should not include college degrees. Why? One, some of the very best employees at my agency, Impact, are not college grads. Instead, they're prolific learners and doers, and they crush every day. This is one reason we never include degree required in our job postings. Two, many of our employees that excel at Impact didn't go to college for marketing at all and graduated a completely unrelated field. Three, the marketing industry is moving too fast for most college university curriculums to keep up. That's not a knock on universities. It's just the truth. Four, two of the best coders I have with my swimming pool company, River Pools, are from underdeveloped countries where college education isn't a viable option for most. Instead, they learned everything online and are self-taught and are absolutely amazing. Why would I ever exclude these great talents? Because they don't have a piece of paper from a university. Five, I think it's clear, clearly time for us to base hiring decisions in the industry on skill, hard work, and true experience, not marketing degrees. Those are my thoughts. What say you? So I, you know, generally uh, would say that I agree with Marcus here, but I know we all come from like varied educational backgrounds. So I'm really interested to hear what your all's thoughts are. Well, I think Marcus is spot on. Like I have a degree in technically it's advertising, not marketing, but I mean, Everything he lists, like in terms of the industry moves too fast for colleges and universities to keep up. Like the day I graduated college and I actually, let's even back up. When I was interning at agencies in college, all the things they were doing were completely and 110% unrelated to the things I was currently learning in college at the time. And that was in 2011 and 12, 2012. So like, yeah, like I'm not saying it was a complete and total waste of my time, but there are more effective ways to learn how to do this, you know, how to just learn all the things about marketing and sales, right? 
and yeah. then than to go spend your money on at a university. I have to say I agree. I I I went to business school and I stuck around for my MBA. So I have a lot of all the degrees. I do. Yeah. I have a lot of degrees under my belt. All the letters. Uh, I mean, the only place I use my MBA is as the tagline on my LinkedIn page. Like it's the only time I've ever like, applied. It was worth it. It was worth it. <laughs> no regrets. Uh, no, but honestly, I think that getting a degree and learning those skill sets in a classroom works for some people. I think that in particularly in certain business schools, having the alumni network and the connections sometimes you can leverage those in a way that will be worth it in the long run for you. So I, there are certainly aspects of higher education that can work out for some, but if you don't shine as a student in the classroom, but you're a really great tactical learner, you can learn to code by doing a bunch of like hackathons and boot camps. I still want you on my team because you have a skill set that I could never touch. So I think that it just depends on the person, the way that they learn their qualities and attributes that they bring to the team. Can you pick up some of that in the classroom? Sure. But it also, you know, sitting in a classroom for four years and getting that degree doesn't necessarily guarantee you the big job, no matter what connections you have from the alumni network. You have to show some dedication and drive and, you know, get that real world experience through internships or externships or other part time work experience. Like, I think that you need that hands on experience, especially in a field like marketing, where the academic foundational principles that they're teaching in the classroom are never going to be on par with what you're going to learn within your first three months in the job. So you have to understand the limitations of a traditional college experience in this particular industry. But would I go so far to say that like, I regret my degrees? No, I think I, I personally made the most out of those experiences and it worked for Mm -hmm. me. So requirement, eh, viable pathway for some, yes. Yeah, I think the question, the question really becomes, if you say, no, we're not going to have a degree required, like I, I agree that that's not really necessarily like a worthwhile thing to require, quote unquote. But the question then becomes like, well, what do you look for then? Mm-hmm. Because some of those things like can be a little bit more like ambiguous, I think, especially in marketing, where, you know, you can learn a lot from a lot of different places. And so how do you how do you figure out and vet people in an efficient way where you're not spending, you know, so many hours having to interview a million people to really investigate like whether or not they're potentially a good fit. I think that that's kind of the, the, like, it makes sense to say, okay, yeah, we're not going to like require a college degree, but then it's sort of like, well, then what do I do and how do I actually hire for this stuff? I mean, let's be honest. Go ahead. Go ahead, Nikki. Well, I think you're spot on, Karina, in terms of the things that, like, how do you, how do you properly qualify people? But it's like the things that college teaches you, like, I didn't take a class on how to use HubSpot. I didn't take a class on like conversion rate optimization, right? Like all of those, like you, you, there are value, there's a ton of value to college in terms of like how to work on teams and, and deliver projects that take more than an afternoon, right? Like, to deliver on projects that take um, weeks or months. So like, there's plenty to get out of it, but it's like, how do you vet, you know, how do you develop those skills without going through those types of things? How do you, and how do you vet for those skills um, for people who didn't go to college? And it's like, you know, 
how do you, or people who are trying to make career changes, right? Like think about someone who went to school for, you know, whatever, one thing they went to school for underwater basket weaving. They're like, I want to be a marketer training. now. Athletic <laughs> training. There you go. How do you turn into a marketer? Right. And it's like, you know, how do you, it's, you, you probably took a bunch of HubSpot certifications or went to marketing profs and now you can go to impactplus.com and check out the app, wink, wink, and get to like, <laughs> and take things and learn stuff and, and apply it and show that like, that's, you know, those, that's your, that's what you're trying to do. And so I think there's other ways to do it to show that you have like the tactical ability to deliver on the work, but also can do the, the critical functions that is like operate on a team and actually ship work, um, like good quality work um, and all that stuff. I 100% agree. And I think that it all comes down to the hiring process and what does your process include to vet and identify the best candidates for the position. If you have like on-page requirements that are limiting your applicant pool, maybe it's time to reevaluate those and see what are my need-to-haves versus what are my nice-to-haves. But if you open up the floodgates to a lot of new applicants, then you need to have a restructured hiring process that is identifying those skill sets. And maybe that means that you throw everyone, you know, a situational challenge that say, hey, we want to test for soft skills. So we're going to do a role play Zoom call to see if you can handle a disgruntled client situation. Or, hey, we're going to ask you to develop and code a functional landing page to see what your conversion rate optimization skills are. Like put people in the situations to see if they can do the job but don't limit who you put in those situations if they have the skill sets that you're going to need to do this work on a day-to-day basis. Because you need to be thinking long-term, if I hire the person with a fancy college degrees that has no skill sets, I'm going to need to train them on day one to be able to pick up the ball and run with it. If I hire the person without the college degree who can pick up the ball and run with it on day one, am I saving my company time, energy, effort in the long run? So yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not, should we hire, you know, should we require degrees or should we not require degrees? It's do we need to completely reevaluate our hiring process so that if we eliminate the degree requirement, we now have, you know, a fair standard to assess candidates against. Yeah, definitely. I will wrap up by saying this. I think that COVID like mixed things up a lot as well, right? Because like the appeal of going to college (laughs) has completely changed. And like, we'll see if that kind of goes back to what it was pre-pandemic, but it seems like it will probably, you know, change considerably. And my dad actually asked me last week, (laughs) which is kind of ridiculous because I'm a one-year-old, but he said, what are you thinking about like for college? (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) I kind of just laughed. Like Penn State, baby. Yeah. And yeah, I will say I, I have a degree in athletic training from Penn state and I started at impact five years ago as a social media intern. So if that gives you any insight into (laughs) my journey, but I basically said like, man, I don't, I don't expect that she'll go to college because I kind of hope that like college is like way different (laughs) for a lot of different reasons, but I, you know, I feel like it will be way different. And I think that, you know, Marcus's post is well-timed because things are changing and like, we need to keep up as companies and as marketing organizations with the changing landscape. Um, And there's probably a lot of young people who are coming out of maybe it's online certificates or getting like certifications from places like HubSpot or other online platforms that aren't quote unquote universities um, or colleges. So, you know, I think that we really need to start 
adapting quickly if we want to stay as organizations, like we want to stay ahead of the curve with the talent that we're getting. Oh, deep stuff. Deep stuff. Thanks, Marcus. I have a, a slew of HubSpot updates here. The first one is something that I'm really excited about. Embed external content on a dashboard. You can embed external content on a HubSpot dashboard. Could you believe it? You can link like an Excel sheet or like a Google sheet. Just slap a link in there, hit go. The formatting is like not perfect. Yeah. It might not there even be. There is a be... note in the product update. HubSpot is basically like, we're not responsible if you. Like it's wonky. <laughs> if the it's formatting wonky. Formatting is wonky. Yeah. Like it's definitely super wonky, but like it works if like the thing you need is in cell A1, but like yeah. for the and most part, say... it's good. Is there. Yeah, I would say it's it's more so, I mean, people definitely use it for like Google Sheets, but I would say it's probably more so for like other, even something like Google Analytics or other platforms that just like allow you to grab an embed code to embed it on an external page. And that should have like pretty good formatting built in. Yeah, Vidyard, um, Databox, um, there's, they've listed off a few that are like ready to roll, but you know, you'll be able to do pretty cool stuff. Vidyard? Like, Vidyard, yeah. You can make a video overview of your dashboard and leave it there so that when someone sees it, they know exactly what they're looking at. You could kind of already do that with the, like, rich text. Like, the they started allowing you to do, like, a text block which was kind of like mm -hmm. phase one of this. So you could already like kind of embed a video, like at least a link. Well, you could embed a link to a video, I guess, but maybe not the video itself. But mm -hmm. anyway, um, yeah, I think, I think this is generally going to be pretty nice for a lot of people, especially people that rely heavily on other platforms for different, you know, pieces of data that they don't want to have to go to multiple places for. Um, so I'm super interested to see like what people build with this stuff. Another thing that I thought was interesting too, was they mentioned um, like Google slides or like some kind of PowerPoint type uh, slide deck. So it's, it's like kind of interesting. Like I was thinking about if you had like a company presentation about like your goals, your metrics or your KPIs that you wanted to like put in there. Um, so there's some, some interesting things. Hmm. Yeah. So I was going to find something crazy to do with it. Yeah. I was, I always tell clients that a dashboard should tell a story and that the person who's looking at the dashboard, who's never seen it before, should be able to understand that story. So I think by adding in videos or text blocks or this now in, in other embedded content, it's just enriching the options that you have to tell that story so that you're not totally reliant on your HubSpot customer reports or out-of-the-box reports. I think that this is only, only a good thing. Yeah, agreed. Speaking of only a good thing, Marketing email reply tracking is now. Live. Oh my God. Thank goodness. Yeah. I, I will note this. It needs to be the reply to address that is connected to a HubSpot inbox. So you could still have it be from like Karina Duffy at cduffy at impactplus.com. But then the reply to address is, you know, support at impactplus.com or something like that. And that inbox has to be connected 
to your HubSpot inbox. And then like the replies go in there and that's how, basically that's how HubSpot is able to track the replies. But it, you know, it makes sense that they would do that. Yeah. Um, so before you get overly excited, you need to make sure that you have a reply to address. And, you know, maybe it's just a matter of setting up a new one that's, you know, info ad or marketing ad or something like that, that you then connect and just set as the reply to for all of your marketing emails makes you wonder like when i saw that i was like huh that wasn't there before <laughs> you're like it sh it felt like it should have been there um yeah. so i'm happy it's there now it comes up a lot it comes up a lot yeah. where people are like oh like it's great that i can see opens and clicks but like we're trying to get people to respond to this email and i can't see that anywhere and you could mm -hmm. like you know do so many workaround hacks for it mm. yeah I want to know, have either of you guys messed with the simple branch in the workflows tool yet? I have not, but I have looked at like the knowledge base docs and it, although they call it simple, you can have up to 250 <laughs> unique branches for a single property. Yeah. So like, I do need to, I do need to dive into this because it looks wild. Yeah. Basically, like the thing that I'm excited about it is if you want to do an if then branch, like I think they use a lot of the examples use like lifecycle stage. If you want to do an if then branch in a workflow based on lifecycle stage, rather than you having to create like say if if it's subscriber, if it's lead, if it's marketing qualified lead and build all those branches yourself, as soon as you select lifecycle stage, it's just going to pop all of those branches for each one of the lifecycle stages in there. So it makes it really quick and easy if you're doing like a drop down field um, or a multiple checkbox field, maybe that wouldn't work, but at least a drop down field, um, you would be able to like really quickly do it up to having 250 so simple. <laughs> options, which just sounds awful. <laughs> No, I mean, it saves you a lot of clicks, right? Like I've been clicking in workflows for way too long trying to set up workflow, like if then branches like that. So thank you HubSpot for, you know, saving the mouse clicks. Yes. I got a couple more for you. There's a bunch of updates to campaigns, marketing campaigns that have gone live. So we talked on the last episode about a, a couple of these update or a couple of other updates. So they've just been like rolling these out. One, really simple, you can associate ads with campaigns. Great. Two, there are new campaigns properties, which the reason that this is important is because these properties are now available in the custom report builder to like break out your data by or create reports on. Um, so the new properties are you can set a campaign owner, one of your HubSpot users, um, a start date, an end date to the campaign, a campaign goal, and an audience for that campaign. Um, I believe that the owner, the goal and the audience right now are just text fields. So it's not like you would do anything crazy with those and then start date and end date are obviously date fields, but it's kind of exciting to see some of these updates coming out with the new custom report builder, which I mean, I feel like all of us are still kind of wrapping our heads around all of the new stuff, like the new data that's in there, um, which was really fun. You can also partition campaign editing by team now. Nice. Did, yeah. we, <laughs> did we mention that you could finally rename campaigns? Um, we didn't. And I mean, 
That's, that's what blew my mind. <laughs> and also I have been telling all of my clients for years, you, you need to get your campaign naming structure down. You can never edit this. And I said that to a client last week. He's like, what are you talking about? I just edited the name. And he's like, maybe this is new. And I looked like such an idiot because I was yeah. like my usual, like, but they didn't like announce it anywhere. They no. just like subtly did it. You just had to figure it out. Yeah. And it's like, not in this updates to marketing campaigns, like message that they sent out. Yeah, I know you can rename a campaign. And that was such a big pain point for me personally. Like I felt I took that personally. Okay. HubSpot, but you couldn't do that for so long. And then you just like take away this huge pain point and you're like, eh, no big deal. We could have done that all along. There's Seems definitely perfect. some focus being put on the campaign tool, which I'm excited about because I feel like it was one of those tools where people would use it, but very like, it was a very tertiary tool where you would just like see like oh add a campaign to this email and then you would just like create a campaign and name it and add it and there was like no understanding of what this tool actually did or could do so I'm glad that there's a lot more visibility for it coming out um and the last thing that I think is really cool and it's also it's not only available in campaigns but it's available in the ads tool forms tool and marketing email tool is a collaboration sidebar so this is what, what HubSpot says. Meet the collaboration sidebar. For this first version, we've taken the original commenting feature and embedded it directly into the app itself rather than loading it over the content. It's now part of an expandable sidebar on the right-hand side of a handful of marketing tools that we just mentioned. On top of that, this, it's been integrated in the marketing tasks tool so you can keep tabs on the remaining work ahead of you if there's like forms, tasks, or marketing email tasks in there creating new ta new tasks and close out work you've done all without switching tools it's it's really neat it's like definitely a nice way for marketing teams um people that are working together to be able to collab on stuff without like having to go into slack or another tool or email or whatever um to communicate about those things yeah love it yeah thanks hubspot Okay. There is a new beta for something that this is another one of those things where people are probably like, what? You couldn't do this before? You can now import knowledge base articles using a CSV. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. I don't really have anything more to say about you that. You couldn't do than, that before? Yeah. It's another thing where like you couldn't do that with blog articles for a long time until a few months ago that that functionality came out. And it's probably like a very similar build for the product team um, to make that functionality available. So people setting up their knowledge bases are going to have a much, much easier time doing In that. In another life. I did that. And it was copying and pasting from one tool into another for days. So yeah, it's a big pain in the butt <laughs> if you don't have a CSE option. Yeah. And last, but kind of least because it's a sunset, they are sunsetting the cross object report builder on July 14th. Now, before you freak out, it basically just means you're not going to be able to build reports in it anymore. So any of your reports that you already built in it will just if you go in and edit them after July 14th, they'll just go into the new report builder editor. So it's not going to, I hope, come it's not going to mess up any of your reports. It's not going to change anything about them. They'll just essentially go into the new report builder, which 
I will give you an insider tip here. The best way to learn the new custom report builder, if you haven't been digging into it yet and you've known the old cross object report builder, when it switches over, go into your favorite reports, go into the editor and see how it's built. See how it's built in the new UI and anything that's different in there. And that's going to really help you. That's what I did because I've you know been around the block. When the cross object report builder came out, <laughs> And they switched over the reports from the old, old custom report builder. So there's a lot of things to be learned in the new custom report builder. And I'm actually excited that this will force people, including myself, because I have totally been guilty of going back to the old report builder when I couldn't figure out how to do something in the new one. Um, so it's going to force all of us to get on the new one. So I want to know for all of you guys listening, if you have built really cool reports with the custom report builder, please share them with us. Share them with us in Impact Plus. Share them with us on wherever. In my email, cduffy at impactplus.com. And we will share them on this podcast. That's how much we love you guys. Woo. Nick, Jess, thanks for joining me for a juicy product-filled episode. It's good to be here. Love it. Every time. Thanks to keep inviting us back. Any time. Hey, if you're not in the HubSpot user Slack, join us. You can find a link in the show notes. This is episode 271. You can find the show notes at impactplus.com slash hubcast. And until next time, this is Karina Duffy, Jess Palmieri, and Nick Bennett saying to you, get out there and get after it.